so unlike Zima in the 90s, the Spike Seltzer these days are like for the evolved brew who enjoys yeah. CrossFit alongside paleo and keto diets. So if you if you have an obsession about how you look yeah. and working out, you'll enjoy this women's yeah. drink. <laughs> so... <laughs> Welcome to Hey You Know It. My name is Jaquetta Sotmar, and I'm here with my co-host, Katie Kazmier. Hey You Know It is a podcast that tells you how it is or how it should be. You can listen to Hey You Know It on iTunes, a new episode every Monday. And here they are, Jaquetta and Katie. All right, cool. All right, well, Um, you ready to kick it off? Yeah, I want to kick off with uh, just, you know... A, a segment that I guess could be termed robot news, also known as freak Katie out. Yeah, please. Um, <laughs> this oh. is, I saw this in a government news, DARPA funds earthworm inspired soft robot. Wait for it to rapidly dig military tunnels. <gasps> no, I know and it's happening. Oh. So guess GE is doing it. Cause I'm like, what else do they do? Their light bulbs suck. Um, GE is like, you know, your grandfather's blue chip stock Mm -hmm. and they own everything. Now they're, now they're into robot worms. How big are these worms? Well, okay. It's it's a lay it on us. So they're creating and refining a soft, smart tunnel digging robot that's inspired. It's biomimicry, um, you know, inspired by the earthworm itself. And, but they didn't study actual earthworms. They just read about them. Which I find weird because they're literally everywhere. Yeah. Like there's nothing stopping GE scientists from like going outside, turning over a little bit of dirt. And then picking up an earthworm, right? <laughs> picking up an earthworm and having a look at it. So they're hoping that these earthworms will, they're going to be a critical part of the underground military operations of the future. Uh, now we this wait a minute. So we're gonna, supposed to have Space Force. Now we have underground military. There's going to be it? nothing left. What is the underground the mole men, that's what they're going to call that division of special force mole men. They're making the matrix. I hope they don't, you know what I mean? Like, I hope they realize that. Right. So they, it's a 15 month, $2.5 million project. And it's called the defense advanced research project agencies underminer program. Wait, say it again. DARPA, DARPA underminer, the underminer program. Yeah. So I'm just wondering what it is. They're going to be undermining. (laughs) You know, like the worst name ever. It's like, it's like a warning, you well, know, it's like the DARPA don't develop this. It's going to kill everybody project. Doesn't minor imply that it's underground or below the surface, <laughs> but under minor. Yeah. So it's you're right. An underminer is someone who's, you know, working surreptitiously to undo something or destroy something. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Like... <laughs> I didn't even think of it that way. Yes. Minor, minor does kind of, uh, suggest underground. underground okay um but also you know they think it's going to have applications beyond the battlefield and what is like they can't say search and rescue um so the the key objectives are to demonstrate that a robot can move at a speed of 10 centimeters a second Ooh. and dig a tunnel 500 meters in length and 10 centimeters in diameter so this thing is about three inches in diameter okay well you know what big. you say search and rescue is out but i say it's in for whom uh, for earthquake victims but we already have dogs that do that yeah i know but you what if it's down really uh down really far and you need some air you send down a couple of worms oh. 
They dip a tunnel. I don't know if you can come back from that. Yeah. They pop up. Now you have yeah, that's PTSD, true. you know, times yeah. 10 from first the earthquake and now the worm. <laughs> and then the worm. Yeah. I think with the, if I saw the worm, I'd probably just die. Yeah. Um, if I were trapped underground. I, I, no mention of like helping out actual miners though, by the way, because they get trapped underground too. Right. But apparently yeah. these guys don't care. No. Um, so it's going to be a part of the tactical underground tunnel networks that they're going to use to support the military's efforts amid harsh environments. I'm assuming those harsh environments mean a war. You know, they're going to make <laughs> these underground tunnels and it's just going to collapse mm-hmm. the surface. What, what if they, the worm just goes AWOL? Cause of course the, they're trying to make these things. They're trying to, uh, apply AI to them. So their, their end game is to have a worm that you can tell what to do mm-hmm. or where to go, like get from point A to point B. And the worm will just figure it out by his, by itself, basically no. without any human intervention. This thing is going to pop up. We're going to be having a coffee somewhere, minding our own, Hey, you know, a business and all of a sudden, boom, it's going to be worm. like, this was the best path. I mean, like, yes. all it's- underground paths lead to, Hey, you know, it. it's, <laughs> Yeah, basically. Basically, but you know, we don't need this happening to us. Yeah. So, um they're trying to create robots that can outperform commercial drilling capabilities, you know, miners, humans. Yeah. Um so far they've come up with a prototype, so it's it's about 3 inches in diameter and it says it's multiple feet in length, but they won't say how many. Oh, I thought that you meant it's 3 inches long. No, three inches in diameter. Ooh. <laughs> exactly. Ooh. Exactly. Oh my God. That's a whole other story. I thought- so it's a couple of feet long. It says multiple feet. That's at least three. Three feet long, three inches in diameter. It has artificial muscles <sighs> that Ew. imitate a worm's movement. And apparently it traverses, quote unquote, with the force of tree roots penetrating through soft rock. So like, that's a lot of force. It's slow, but it's forceful. So like tremors, basically that's what they're creating. Uh, yeah. Um, I guess they didn't, they didn't learn their um, lesson from lesson from fracking. Right. That what or Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Or Kevin Bacon's tremors, one, two, three, and four and five. Yeah. Uh, but the end, it was just Michael Gross. Is that what you want? DARPA, you know, um, so earthworms rely on a flexible muscular structure filled with fluid. Um, and that's what they're having difficulty kind of trying to mimic. So right now they're using a hydraulic system to move it, but they want it to be, um, like a gel or, a, um, like hydraulic system. Okay. Sorry. They're moving- Why don't they use coffee grounds? Like they're using another robot feet. Don't give them ideas. Okay. <laughs> What if they hear this? Wait, I think I missed. I misspoke. They're going. For, they want it to go from pneumatic to hydraulic. Oh, okay. okay. So hydraulic requires uh, requires liquids, and that's more like an earthworm. Uh, and they think it's going to be that's going to work better for this freaky robot. They're trying to make it autonomous as autonomous as they could. Um, as I said, it's going to require the integration of artificial intelligence, sensing controls, and automation technology. Um, they. In the, in the past, they've tested snake-like robots for jet engine inspection and repair. And they're hoping that this work leads to other advances in soft robotics. Yeah. Um, and the, 
but I don't know. It says so much of what DARPA funds has a positive multiplier effect when it comes to technological advancements and paving the way to new oh, applications. Yeah, after they after everyone is dead. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like we're hoping this program will have a similar impact down the line. Why why even pretend like you care? It's DARPA. Like just do your job. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're you it's the military. Just do that. Don't say we think that this, you know, killing machine can also like help your grandmother feed herself. Yes. Right. Yes, <laughs> yeah. It's all about domination. Yes. I, I find it absolutely frightening because just like with the the spot, the robot spot and the spot mini, how quickly that was a DARPA thing as well. And within a decade now, it's a commercial thing, right? We could buy one for $7,500. How long before the same asshole who is using, um, you know, the spot mini to like rob and steal is now <laughs> using this worm? Well, here's another thing about like the using um, like military intended robots like the spot mini now for a residential use. It's like, what else, what are they capable of and what kind of information are they getting? For sure. You know, just like, you know, the ring, the, the, yes. the doorbell thing, it's, it's linked yeah. to the police. Yep. So they can, they can um, access that anytime, you know, like what, what does, what does this, what does the spot mini have? But also are there any um, rules and regulations? Like say I get this worm, can I send it over to your house? Why would you do that? I don't know. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I could, yeah, I guess. I guess like, you could, yeah, have it go underneath somebody's yeah. property. I don't know why you would do that. But I'm saying what, what would stop me from doing that? Maybe I put wine inside of mine. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I want to, <laughs> maybe mine is benign. I want to deliver something to you. But still, like, are we allowed them to just go tunneling through the earth as private citizens? You're right. Yeah. Like, where do, is it like, yeah. Like, what if what? I get angry at somebody and decide I'm going to put a hole where they'll never suspect, but where they will walk? Oh my God. Yeah. Right. And you can have the, the collapse their land. You can, mm-hmm. you can undermine the structure of their house. Yep. You can do all or kinds of things. Or climb into someone's basement, have the worm climb out the top and then let you in. Oh God. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of complicated, but... You know, it's another way, I guess, to rob a house. Yeah. <laughs> the worm will let you in. <laughs> I don't have thumbs. I can't open the door, but I'm in. Bore, my, bore your way through, you know? Yeah, right? And you can just let them loose. If you have so, a grudge against somebody, you can just... Yeah. So, so far we have the robot bees, right? The robot dogs, robot fish, robot octopus. Robot snakes, robot worms. I mean, how soon before the this becomes like a whole new kind of menagerie situation? Yeah. Oh, but these are scary. It's like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you can really terrorize somebody with this. Yep. I mean, it's DARPA. I'm I'm assuming that they're supposed to be terrorizing whoever our enemy is at the moment. Yeah. Um, or us, if that's us, you know, who knows? But pretty the underminer program. I'm glad I, as I say, the older I get, the more I'm like, oh, I'm glad that I was born at this time because by the time I'm out of here, um, I think it won't be so bad. Yeah. But I think this is the definitely matrix and the, the other robots that we've talked about are more like Terminator. You know, 
what if there's you know reincarnation and we are all just keep coming back? Is this oh, the time God. when you wish that you come back as like a rock or a tree? Yes. You like you look, you know. Let please me, knock knock me back down to the uh, you know. Let me be like a uh, like a, a a honeybee. You know, I don't have a long life. I'll just go on to the next thing. A honeybee. You might be the only one. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be by yourself. <laughs> buzzing around yeah. like uh and then i could die again and then come back as something else and die and just not deal I, I like the idea of just being a rock it's not bad right now i feel like yeah well i don't know though with this this worm yeah i could get i could get bored right through yeah <laughs> anyway what so. is the yeah where are we safe nowadays i don't know i guess in the mind well no not even no you're not safe is our point the undermined point is undermined our safety <laughs> <laughs> our theoretical safety all right what do you have okay after that i think i need a drink so let's talk about yeah. some hard seltzer oh oh my goodness it is a thing it it's is, so popular now it is such a thing so there's the brands uh white claw and truly and these are spiked yeah. seltzers um they're exploding and they haven't been on the market very long there's been like, Can I like just say, old. i've been no, i've been drinking the hard seltzer or truly for when since it first came out and i just thought it was like for you know folk like myself like women over 40 <laughs> and i was like well maybe it's, that's why it's not catching on but now i see they've changed the packaging they've made it harder looking well how long have you been drinking truly i thought it was these are like two years old these maybe like three years okay. three or four years i feel like it's I, I, i've been seeing it at beer stores okay and that's where i was purchasing it and i thought okay this is this is one of these things they're like okay there's a woman in the beer store kind of thing Okay. What does she what does she want? Yeah. So this truly crook and marker Corona Refresca. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> Refresca. I like that. Uh, bon and Viv White Claw. Yeah. Oh. These are the, like the top brands, and they each have a different. Um, they're like about a hundred calories each, and each have a, like a different um, alcohol content to them. And it's the drink of summer, right? The the truly, I think, is a malt beverage. Yeah, they just say alcohol beverage, so they don't really identify. None of your business, really. It really isn't. They're gluten free. <laughs> it has a little bit of flavor to them, and just just deal with it and drink it. Have you had Truly? I haven't had Truly. I've had the White Claw, and even some guy tried to sell T-shirts that said "Ain't no laws when you're drinking claws." Oh God! So who was that for? It was he was just making money doing that, and the company had to give him a cease and desist. Like, oh really? We, yeah, they were like, we think it's funny and it's great, but that's still like a trademark. But, but and they're like, there are laws, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> you have laws of physics. So for loco, remember for loco? Who yes, has for loco? Oh my God! Yeah. Four loco sent people to the hospital, especially kids, because it was so it was so yummy tasting, and it had. Yeah. Um, it had like the energy component plus alcohol and it was all very intense. Um, it since I know somebody, it sent like he drank like three of them. He was a kid, like a teenager and he got very sick, went to the hospital. Is that still around? I feel like I've seen four loco in the bodega. Yeah. They have a different one. Um, four loco seltzer sour with a hint of blue raz. Ooh. Okay. So four loco already looks like Robitussin <laughs> in color. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's either like a when they say it's like a raspberry, it's like a blue, or the other one yeah. is like purple. That's the blue raspberry. The blue raspberry yeah, I mean, that you're talking about. I've never in my life seen a blue raspberry. 
Yeah, it says that it's the hardest seltzer in the universe. How hard is it? 14% alcohol. That's fucking hard. The other ones are 4 and 5%. So yeah. Wow. That's not 14%. That's that's a pro, that's wine. That's like heavy for a wine. Yeah. 14%. Yeah. Wow. So okay. sales were up this summer by 193%. Wow. Which is which is big. Um, so White Claw, you know, is is one of the big ones. Uh truly, as we were saying. Um but it's like but I really like that Corona has has repurposed the name Fresca into Refresca. Refresca. <laughs> but wow. nobody, you know, everybody loves this and they're all like thrilled with it. And they say it's like kind of a unisex drink, even though a lot of women will drink it, but guys will drink it too because of the calorie content and it's gluten-free. And so they're just like, yeah, it's for me too. It's refreshing. Um, but, you know, none of this would have been around if it weren't for a little something called Zima. Yes, Zima. I remember, I think I was underage when Zima came out yeah. and I, I was like, <laughs> I got to try this. Yeah. I was like, there's no way that I am going to let, you know, life go by without trying this drink. And I had one and it was like, it tasted like stale Sprite. Yeah. So Zima came about in the early 90s. And for those that don't know, of you that don't know what it is, uh, the beer manufacturers were like, beer is so heavily marketed to guys and beer is associated with guys. Let's think of like a beer for women that women would like. So uh, they did a lot of marketing, um, a lot of focus groups, and uh, they, they found, well, women would like a clear drink. They want something light and crispy, something that is fruity. I'm just laughing now because it's so 90s. Yeah. And so (laughs) they came up, they, they, it wasn't like someone wanted this drink. They were just. No, women, women were drinking just, you know, in case there's any young people listening, we were drinking beer. We were drinking beer and it was fine. The first, the first drink I had was like a beer, a crappy one. Yeah. And I was thinking, wow, if they, uh, women would drink beer if it didn't taste like piss. Yeah. We tend not to like drinks that taste like piss. My first drink was a Budweiser and I was listening to the doors break on through to the other side. That was the soundtrack. Never forget. I was in a field and I was drinking a can of Schaefer. Oh, right. Um, It's probably like 25 cents. (laughs) (laughs) I think there was a little song. Drink Schaefer beer. If you're a man, it's clean. It's light. It comes in a can. (laughs) Is that real? No, I think it's a joke. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think anyone ever bothered to apply advertising <laughs> to Schaefer. This beer. If you were drinking a Schaefer, it's like you just had to drink. You just needed a beer and that's what was there. Yeah. So Zima is is now on the market. It's clear. It's sweet. It is. It tastes like a Sprite almost. And it has alcohol, yeah. this alcohol content to it. But God forbid you tried to drink one and everyone was like, <laughs> pussy. Oh, yes. you know, like, like it was like a big, like mark on your character as a human being if you drank it because you were weak. You were weak. because it had been marketed at at women. Yeah, it automatically took on any negative qualities that were around about femininity. Yeah, so it's like you're drinking a white wine cooler. This is a girly drink. Ah, you know, like this is all yeah. the worst thing in the world. By the way, you know. What's wrong with a white wine cooler? Nothing. Nothing. What's absolutely wrong nothing. with women drinking? Nothing. Um, and plus, we've always been doing it. Yeah. As long as women have had mouths and there's been alcohol. The two things have met. <laughs> you know? 
This is how it goes. We called it tonics for a while during prohibition, you know. Yeah. Medicines. We get around it. Yeah. So Zima did not appeal to guys in the nineties who were staunch, you know, yeah. there was a big delineation. Nor did it appeal to women who had taste buds. <laughs> But gay men didn't drink. Did gay men drink it? Was it a part in the gay community? I'm not sure. I don't know what the reach was in the gay community with the Zima. If you were in the gay community in the 90s, please email us at heyyouknowit at gmail.com and let us know, was Zima a thing? Yeah. Let us know. That's a, we need to know. We need to know. Um, So unlike Zima in the 90s, the Spike Seltzer these days are like for the evolved bro who enjoys CrossFit alongside paleo and keto diets. Wow. So if you if you have an obsession about how you look yeah. and working out, you'll enjoy this women's yeah. drink. <laughs> so. <laughs> You're listening to Hey You Know It with Jaquetta Santmari and Katie Kazmir. We're telling you how it is and how it should be. So yeah, basically they're saying here it has updated patriarchal values. Um with face masks, potentially disordered eating, and an open, honest affection for spice, spiked seltzer. Wow. I mean, here's the thing. Like, the men that I knew growing up, they would drink all kinds of stuff. Um, so I don't – there wasn't, a, like, a female drink or a male drink. It was the level of drunkenness. Yeah. I think that was more – the idea that men could go out and get, like, wasted, but women – should probably just stay tipsy yeah and if you were a woman and you drank regularly you were an alcoholic whereas to be considered an alcoholic as a man you had to like as they say die by alcohol right. like someone has to hit you with it you have to fall with it in your hand yeah. like you have to die <laughs> while drunk you right know? you have to lose everything yeah uh like you have to have all of your belongings in a kerchief on a stick and you're you know right. by the railway tracks right otherwise you know you're just a guy who like to drink yeah so hard seltzer is a lie they're saying hard, hard, huh? hard yeah hard seltzer is not seltzer <laughs> seltzer is carbonated water hard yeah. seltzer is a flavored malt beverage like you were saying Jaquetta. yeah it's a um, beverage it's essentially the same as a lime marita or a colt 45 or a smirnoff ice so now going back to the idea that in the 90s a drink like zima was only for for women who was malt liquor for i'm sure you remember that would be my people. Okay. Okay. Malt liquor was a thing when I was growing up that was like, it was primarily an African-American community thing. Um, Colt 45, these kind of drinks. And now it's interesting to me to see that they're marketing malt liquor. As a hard seltzer. As a hard seltzer, because I think they couldn't get away with it the other way. They say they derive their alcohol from fermented malted grains and then are carbonated, yeah. flavored, and sweetened. Yeah, it is a malt liquor. And they're malt marketing liquor. as hard seltzer. Yeah. Yep. So, so malt liquor, 40 ounces. I remember, That's what I remember about malt liquor. Yeah. So for people like me, like my, my, my drink is like my um, vodka and seltzer with a, yes. with some lemon. What is that called? It's the, um, the drink of the divorced woman. That's right. The drink of the divorced woman. Yeah. I'm, my, I'm trying to think of what my drink is. I've, I've mostly been drinking wine. Uh, and champagnes and sparkling wines and things like that. But when I go to a bar to get it, I don't even know anymore. Yeah. Oh, whis- whiskey sour. Okay. Um, yeah, probably a whiskey sour. 
Because I feel like, hey, I'm drinking. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> There's always the cheapo in me that is like, look. And it's with doers. Look, if, are they watering down these mixed drinks? Then I'm going yes. for a martini. Because they can't yes. hide, hide anything from me. That's true, yeah. A marti- I like a martini, too. It keeps it real. It's an adult shot. They can't hide anything. It, it comes quickly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think I do usually get a whiskey sour with doers, which is apparently not even good. I don't even know if it's whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's scotch. Oh, no. I'm not sure. I don't even, like, I'm at the point where, like, there was a time when I was younger and I wanted to be a little more sophisticated with my drinks. Now I'm like, sure. whatever. Yeah. I will have a, a vodka and Coke and you can just put the Coke next to it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't worry about it. I do so, yeah. like a martini, a vodka martini with blue cheese stuffed olives. Where can you get that though? In a bar. Like it has to be like, I think it has to be a bar that's also like a classy hotel. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah. Well, one day we'll be back. Yeah. One day, one day we can we go outside. Be back in the, in the bars. Oh. So this is the, the summer of the sparkling seltzer, a.k.a. malt liquor yeah. uh, for the people. So I <laughs> found some information here. So COVID is going on. The government uh, came up with the Paycheck Protection Program, right? actually the Payroll Protection Program that was a part of the CARES Act. And it's been enough time that this money has been going out the door that people are starting to commit fraud with it. Okay. Of course. Yeah. Um, so this is a story of a guy, he got $4 million in COVID relief funds. And then he went out and bought a Lamborghini. (laughs) How did he get, what was his, his, so his, his scam was, um, let me get the story straight. Cause it was kind of, he applied, he's in South Florida and he applied for seven business loans for the different businesses he had. And they're like moving companies. All of them were moving companies. So he applied for each moving company separately and he got uh, seven loans of $13 million through Bank of America. Oh and he said that he was gonna spend the money on 70 employees with a monthly payroll of $4 million. Like if that's what the moving business is about, we missed the boat on this No one. kidding, right? I know people have done moving, for a living it's you don't get paid anything yeah even the drivers don't get paid that much i mean you even if you're doing a long distance driving you're not getting that much so 70 employees he's saying that he was paying them four mil um the bank he asked for 13 mil the bank said we'll give you 3.9 <laughs> so that should have been a red flag right away so someone at the bank of america decided that yeah 70 employees you know okay We'll give him four million dollars. Yeah, that sounds so, about right. Mm. In reality, his companies showed monthly revenue and expenses of about two hundred thousand a month, not four million. Yeah, sounds about. Um, and a lot of the employees didn't exist, <laughs> and were if they did exist, they weren't paid what he claimed that the dude was paying them. This sounds like he was a graduate of Trump University. Yes. Well, here's the thing, is that. They were these loans are going out the door from the Small Business Association, and neither the IRS nor the Small Business Association was checking the claims. So it was really up to the bank to eyeball stuff and be like, "Oh, this looks okay." Yeah, right. Instead of doing investigation, Um, so he went right out and wired that as soon as the money hit his account, he wired three hundred and eighteen thousand dollars 
to the Lamborghini dealership. <laughs> he got himself a super luxury Lamborghini Hurricane Evo. It's called. Hurricane Evo? Yeah. I don't know. Um, and it was registered to him in his business, you know, as a, as a business expense. Yeah, because he's a mover. Because he's got to move fast. Yeah, he's got to move quickly before they catch up with him. Um, so he he started taking out some more of the money, but he didn't get very far uh, before the bank put a freeze on it. Um, and he was caught with a Lamborghini. Um, how, what, did, what did he do here? Oh, yeah. He was caught because... So this is a guy who is stealing money from the government, has used, used that stolen money to buy the most... Like, you can't not see this car if you're a cop. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he, he did a hit and run with it. Oh, no. They impounded the car. They're going to seize the car. And then they went looking for him. Oh, my He God. was released on $100,000 bond. And he's staying in his mom's house. And he has to wear a monitor, ankle monitor. Oh. It's not his first time, though. Um, this guy's always wanted a Lamborghini. Two years ago, he and his girlfriend... Had a, had a Lamborghini. It says he flagged down a police officer in Miami Beach to report that his girlfriend had stolen his Lamborghini. <laughs> police later found the car, but he became uncooperative and both he and the girlfriend fled Oh, before they were tracked down by the police and arrested. <laughs> so that doesn't make any sense at all. Well, maybe then it was like a scam, like they wanted to collect the insurance on it. And said it was stolen and she stole it because it's like who how would you leave the keys around for your Lamborghini? But Does then he doesn't even have keys. It, it, I don't it, know. Do you, <laughs> does an angel <laughs> come down and touch it with its its wing? I don't know, or something then maybe it has like a, a walla like they do in Dubai, like a small person who comes out of right. a, a small closet and serves you tea. Right. They have Lamborghini wallas that are issued yeah. with each Lamborghini. So it's a it's a, it's a small person. <laughs> Then blame him. Yeah. Blame the wallet. Um, I like the idea that he he accuses the girlfriend. They find the girl, and then they both together just hoof it. Yeah. So then it was like a scam. <laughs> it was like, oh, she, she stole it. That she got access. She had access to the keys or the wallet. And uh, <laughs> yeah, um, the wallet helped her get it started. Yeah. I wouldn't even know how to steal a Lamborghini. I would probably get get arrested just trying to get into it. Like trying to figure out how to open the door. I I rented, it was some kind of Mercedes that was like a hybrid or something. Yeah, like S-Class or something. Yeah, and the thing is like, I, I don't drive all the time, you know? I live in an urban area, so I rent cars from time to time. I don't even know how to turn it on. Things change so quickly. It's happened to me too. I've gotten into a, I've gotten over to a car and been like, this is just a key fob. Like there's not even a I couldn't even hear it. I'm like, is this on? I don't even know if it's on. <laughs> And I called him. I was like, this is too much car. I can't even go anywhere. I need to just quit. I'm going to, my plans are ruined. You're like, I need a Honda Accord or I'm going to be stuck here for the rest of eternity. <laughs> and they're like, no problem. They didn't even charge me. I was just like, I can't even handle this beast. Yeah. I've been there before. It's, uh, I feel like we're the kind of people, again, I'm an urbanite as well. We need to rent cars once every six months. Otherwise, eventually we're just going to, be like those people who are pressing on computer screens, yeah. hoping things will, hoping that things will happen. I mean, there was one one point a couple of years ago. This was a while ago, and I, somebody picked me up, and um, 
got out of the car and the lights were on inside the car and we're walking away. I'm like, the lights are on. They're like, it'll go off. They'll go, what? No, we have to turn them off. Yes. <laughs> they'll go off on their own. It used to happen that you would leave a light on in the car, especially the overhead one. And then it would run out the battery. Yep. Somehow that one light bulb <laughs> would destroy the entire battery. I took a, a, I had to go to the dentist last week. So I took a car service. Uh, and it was great. Like the car was really nice. It was all COVIDed out, you know, mm-hmm. with the dividers and all that. It's totally clean. There was hand sanitizer in there. But as I was getting out, the guy opened the door automatically. You know, like, Me not realizing what was happening. I touched the door, closed it automatically. The guy was like, don't touch it. He opened it. I closed it again. <laughs> I was like, like, what kind of witchcraft is this? I'm like, these guys are going to downgrade me. I'm going to get like one star as a rider. <laughs> Based on my inability to just get out of the car and end the ride. I was so embarrassed. I just hadn't been in a car in a while. (laughs) I'm used to opening up the door for myself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, what is this? Who's this? How it goes. (laughs) Who's in here? You know, that kind of thing. All right. What do you have? Okay. I have advice on advice. Awesome. Advice on advice is a segment where we find advice on the internet that states. It's unqualified. And we improve upon it by giving our stellar advice on advice. So who is it from? This is Dear Prudence. Nice. Okay. Um, I've been dating a medical student for four years. She's in her- Congratulations. <laughs> You're in the home stretch. <laughs> She's in her last year now. We eventually decided, she eventually decided to specialize as an OBGYN, particularly mm-hmm. in reproductive rights and abortion care. Okay. So theoretically, I'm all for this. I'm a pro-choice liberal too. And as someone who will probably be her future husband, I know it's important Uh to support her career choices. Okay. Right now, she's only assisting with abortions, but once she graduates, she'll be doing them independently nearly every day. I hate that I'm saying this, but the ethics of this discussion decision make me feel squeamish. Ooh, this is a good one. I believe abortions should be safely available to all folks who want them, but sleeping next to someone who does that procedure day in and day out is taking a toll. I absolutely cannot bring it up because it's a huge part of her value system is being pro-choice and preparing to to provide abortions for those who could not otherwise safely access them. I feel so horrible for having this hang up. What should I do? Is there any way I can fix myself so I can be the supportive partner she deserves? Hmm. So he's got, he is not okay with this. He's not okay with abortion. That's the first thing I was going to say yeah. is that I appreciate that he is trying to work through this problem this way. Yeah. I applaud him for that. But yeah, I have to say then, then you are not, um, and you know, you're not pro abortion as he said. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's Cause who's supposed to do them. Like, how is this stuff supposed to get done then? A, if, if your partner's not going to do it. Yeah. He's an armchair intellectual. Like that sounds good. You know, yeah, I can in theory. Sit here and, and, you know, drink my beer or my Zima or, white claw and yes. theorize about things like this and say, yeah, you know, objectively, yeah, this is, this is, I read the New York times. Yeah, this is fine. You know, this is good. But like when you apply it to reality, no, he's not really, really not okay with it. So, I mean, I'm going to, I don't usually delve into my personal life on these, but I think this is, you know, I'll ground it in this. So I'm married to a defense attorney. Mm-hmm. A lot of people find that reprehensible. Um, I didn't know how I felt about it until I did. And I was like, I guess I don't have a problem with it. 
if you're going to be with that person for the rest of your life, you can't really have a problem with what it is that they do, especially if it's fundamentally a part of their value system. Yeah. Um, you at least have to discuss it with them. Now, having said that, um, you know, I do sleep next to a Republican every night. <laughs> so apparently I don't have a problem with that either. Yeah. Maybe I just don't care. All right. But, you know, so my advice to this guy is, um, first of all, realize that your opinions are not what you think they are. And secondly, you have to communicate this with your partner. She's going to find out sooner or later how you feel. Right. It's going to come out somehow. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm saying like, yeah, he's got to like realize. I think this is a big growth moment for him where he realized Mm -hmm. that these laws and these procedures are not theoretical yeah i mean and they have a big impact on people's lives and this is this is it's a big deal he's probably never had to really put any of this into practice for himself or anybody else um and it seems like maybe he hasn't known people who have had to have abortions yeah or make the decision whether to have one or not yeah so so yeah it's just coming from a really detached but i mean we see this a lot though when people are talking about um you know how they feel about different people's rights in theory but then when it comes down to it you're like wait so you actually wouldn't want your son to be gay yeah like you think there's something wrong with that you know it's like okay all right so let's okay let's hear the prudence okay it's worth getting specific about what's bothering you where exactly does your support turn to discomfort what is is it the day in and day out part would you feel more comfortable dating someone who assisted with abortions once a month that's yeah i mean that's a good point right like how often is it do you feel like abortion access is important in theory but have some unexamined sense that it ought to take place less often than it does that's another way from you yeah it's like the idea that people are doing this all the time it's like oh um are you concerned about her safety or the judgment of others is it a nimby thing not in my backyard Someone should be providing people with abortions, but I don't want to know who, whoever that someone is. Could be. Mm-hmm. An ethical objection is not necessarily the same as a feeling of squeamishness. And the most important thing you can do right now is investigate the real source of your discomfort. Ask. Oh, I hadn't thought about the squeamishness part of it. That might have something to do with it. Yeah, but you know what? You could get the squeamies from anything that's medical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Into anybody's body and doing it for sure. That's why I'm like, I'm thinking. You know, would you date a proctologist? Yeah, that's kind of a squeamy thing, right? Yeah. So if he's if he's coming at it from a squeamishness angle, then he has a lot less work to do. Yeah. You know, he could learn about the procedure. You know, there's a lot of ways he could get past that and see what see what other things happen because I'm assuming she's working in a, a a healthcare center. Yeah. So it's not the only thing she's doing all day. She's probably doing pap smears. That's not fun either. Yeah. To think about. Right. Or all all kinds of things. All kinds Um, of stuff. Ask yourself these questions as non-judgmentally as possible and answer them thoroughly and in detail. Once you have a clearer sense of your discomfort, you can figure out how best to address it. Your partner has been clear with you and you owe her the same transparency and honesty in return. She doesn't need you to only say what you think she wants to hear or make a big show of self-flagellation. It's if this actually turns out to be a difference in values, better to have it out now before you get married. If it doesn't, your girlfriend may be able to help um, you talk through the issue. 
It's presumably something she's thought about a lot. It, she may not be shocked and there may be more room to talk things over than you'd guess. That doesn't mean, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm, I'm going to think that she's shocked because he's been dating her for four years and she has been training to, to be able to perform abortions. Yeah. And I, I would, it would be like if someone found out that I did, you know, all of a sudden they had a problem with my podcast and I'm like, huh? Yeah. I've been doing this for 10 years. Well, I think podcasts in general. Okay. But I don't think that you should. Be yeah. doing that. I don't think you should. You two broads should be doing yeah, it. Two broads. Who wants to hear that? Yeah. Two women talking. That's really the yeah. guys thing. Cause guys, you know, whatever the issue is, um, hmm. you know, no pol- Polacks should be talking. <laughs> no, Pol- you couldn't even pronounce the slur. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> Katie, everyone, not not a racist, apparently. <laughs> You're a little rusty there on self-slur. <laughs> uh, I always think Kevin Pollack. <laughs> Kevin Pollock. It's Pollock, isn't yeah, it? Kevin Pollock? Yeah. And the fish as well. There's a Pollock fish. Okay. That's, That's right. Thinking. Yeah, the fish, the Pollock, and, and Kevin Pollock. Yeah. Let's get back yeah. to this. It doesn't mean you should drop a heap of unanalyzed feelings of ickiness on her lap. And ask her to sort um, through them for you. But I know that's like another part of it. It's like, oh, Jesus, she has to be his therapist now. Oh, now she has to do the work. It's not her problem. But any long-term relationship should have have room to discuss surprising, unwelcome, complicated, and even guilt-inducing feelings. As long as you do so carefully, then this one should be no exception. Hmm. I mean, I I think it's, I don't know if this has been a situation for you in the past where you've ever dated someone who had some issues with bigotry. Yes. yes um, I, I dated someone seriously for a while and I was like, you're going to have to get over this. Uh, and and let, here's what we can do about it. It was a person I dated who was homophobic um, because of some experiences in his background. And I was like, well, that's not what it's about. Let's get, but, and then he came around. So it can work, you know, like we dealt with it. We talked about it. Um, and in the end, he was able to let go of those ridiculous ideas that he had about homosexuality, yeah. but it took some work. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah. And sometimes that's the point where they have to like examine that, you know, maybe, but it was his work, not mine. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's another thing, like dumping it into you and having you sort through, unpack it all for him. It's like, yeah, um, but I'm also, I mean, um, a lot of things that like that, are, that's deal breaker stuff for me. Like there's some stuff that I'm just like, no, I'm not going to put up with yeah. that. Um, yeah. I mean, for a relationship. Yeah. You know, when I was, I dated different guys and, or even just meeting guys who were, I would potentially date. Like they say something racist right off the bat. I'm like, thanks for mm-hmm. saying that. Cause now I can walk yep. away very easily. That's like, a big yep. no, I don't even want to yep. know them. Yeah. I like it up front. Yeah. <laughs> get, get your, get your bigotry out front. So we don't have to deal with this as an issue yeah. later. I also used to go out of my way to let people know what my feelings were on things just to weed people out. Yeah. Cause I, I don't have time for homophobes and anti-Semitism. You know, yeah, like yeah. I just don't have time for that. With yeah. my dating. And maybe, and this one thing I would say for this guy is like, don't use, like jump into the work and don't feel like it's going to feel uncomfortable. Like you're yeah. going and exploring this stuff. But don't try to resist it by saying you're right because of X, Y, and Z. And you're right because, you know, 
you know, you're uncomfortable and you don't want to go any further. So you start putting up defenses against it. I guess what's more important to him? Like, how, you know, how important is this relationship with this woman? Yeah. Um, is it more important than him doing the work? Yeah. And feeling uncomfortable? Um, I, I, I suspect he might be a little afraid that he can't, that he doesn't want to change or that he can't change. Yeah. And, you know, and just one of the things about like abortion, it is a part of women's reproductive health care yeah. in general. And just because like, I think that, I think that the abortion part was cherry picked yeah. and, sh- you know, held up, be, you know, as a form of control over women. If like of course. contraception were readily available and if men were responsible with their ejaculations. But women, also if, you know. if women, uh, you know, I've had friends who've had to have terminations because they physically weren't able right. to go through with it and they didn't know that ahead of right. time. Right. Right. It's like, even though they were, I feel like better gynecological services could have made them more aware like some of them were able to have kids later under other circumstances, but it's like, you know. Yeah. It's again, it's they didn't know. it's part of your reproductive health care. It's like something yeah. that has to be an option because a lot of people can't. I there was somebody else, like some people who have multiple pregnancies and they can't carry six. Yeah. And they have to have what's called a selective reduction. Yeah. So I I mean it, it's just you have to take it you have to widen the scope when it comes to abortion and not be like it's 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 but one it's, thing. It's, it's also the kind of thing too, where I, someone has to do it. Like someone has to do all of these things that you may think are unpleasant. Yeah. Right. I mean, even on the most, you know, but not, this is why people get upset when they find out who sewed my Nikes or where did my food come from? It's like, well, these are facts. Yeah. Right. Like, so you, if you can't deal with the entire process of how something happens, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. And you can't like, it's not going to be on your terms. Like you can't just say, well, I don't want to know about it or, you know. Right. You can't shake your finger at it at, you yeah. know, at the, the child sweatshops and then yes. still enjoy your Nikes. And rock the Nikes or whatever it is. And be like, well. Or you can't, you can't be, uh, you know, buying cheap strawberries and not thinking about who's picking those strawberries and what the conditions are for those people. Right. And then tell them what they should and should not get for that type of work. I like that one. Was that a recent prudence? Um, Let me see. When was this one? Yeah. I like it. This is June, 2020. Nice. Good luck to this guy. I wish him the best. I do too. I wish her the best too. I wish them all. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, look, he's starting to think about it. So that's a positive thing. Yeah. I think. Um, But here's something that's not so well thought out. (laughs) Man convicted of shooting murder victim's grave. What? So this guy in the picture too, this guy looks like he looks like a decent guy, but he just looks pissed. Chicago man with a long criminal history sentenced to 15 in federal prison after convicted for firing a gun into the grave of a man, the open grave of a man who was murdered two days prior. <gasps> Apparently they have beef. It's beef that just won't die. This dude is 57. The shooter? The shooter. 57 and he still had his beef. How old was that beef? Oh my God. Were they, did they and say he, how long they knew each other? Uh, it says Elston, El, sorry, Elston, I've never heard that name before, Elston Stevenson, 
57 pleaded guilty to one count of illegal possession of firearms by a felon. He has a criminal background dating back to the 80s, and he was accused of firing a single shot into the grave of the deceased at a funeral service, oh. Katie. Oh, <laughs> At the service. At the service. That's kind of, that's important. He rolled up to the service, pulled, strapped up, pulled out, and shot into the grave, um, appearing before a county judge. Um, prosecutors at the time say that Stevenson was among the least, at least 20 mourners present for the funeral. So he was there at the service, like, mm-hmm, you know, by the graveside, everything. I guess he couldn't take it anymore. He pulled out a shot. I pulled out a handgun, fired a shot and said, quote unquote, you deserved it. (laughs) In their statement, federal authorities added that Stevenson also allegedly say, you ain't shit. (laughs) (laughs) It says you ain't an expletive, but I mean, it's got to be you ain't shit, right? That's that sounds that's what people say. Yeah, Yeah, you ain't shit. (laughs) (laughs) Kabam. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I rude. (laughs) Um, but there must have been at least one or two people there who understood why he did it. Yeah, right. The deceased wasn't, uh, you know, he had a criminal background as well. I'm not saying he deserves to be shot after he was dead. I'm just saying that I'm sure there were a couple people who were like, something's going to happen here today. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was this guy. He just pulled out his piece and shot into the into the grave. God. Can you imagine being there and just being like, I'm a mourner, and then that happens? I probably, for knowing me, I probably first would have screamed and then laughed. Because what else can you do? I mean, the guy was already dead, you know? The tragedy, there was already a tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he got 15 for that. God. 15? Yep. 15 years. Oh, and he's 57. Yep. Ugh. Was it worth it? I, I don't. I don't think this guy could help himself. Like this sounds like a crime of passion to me. Yeah. I bet you he wears a piece all the time. Um, maybe he was just overcome. <laughs> uh, oh. I I would like to have seen like right after he shot and said, "You ain't shit." Like, what did the other people do? Like, what did the priest do? Well, I, right. What I mean, how scared would you be? Actually. <laughs> If, like, like if you laughed, would you be next? You ain't. Yeah, I mean, I think I would just laugh nervously. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know if I think it would be funny. Yeah. But it's like such so bizarre. Terrifying. It's already funerals are already surreal as as it is. You no, know? you know what's really surreal about I've noticed like the funerals that I've been to when you go, and the casket is you're at the at the cemetery and the casket's going to be lowered in the ground and everybody comes by and throws a, like a flower on you know or a handful of dirt or whatever the thing is. I notice that whenever like I get close, it's like you want to jump in. No. <laughs> no, I don't know. No, I don't want to jump in. But it, it's like I must look like I'm going to fall in because the. The, the, people come rushing like to you. the undertakers and staff they're like whoa like hold on they're like hold on to my arm you're too close I, i'm too close or i look unsteady or something or let me say for listeners who have never seen katie before she's a sure-footed woman yeah. you're not, like you're not clumsy <laughs> do you know what i mean you're not like me i'm pigeon-toed she's not even pigeon-toed she's not knock-kneed both her legs are the same length. 
you know, Thank you. like you're a graceful person. I can't imagine you teetering on the edge. I'm just, I'm maybe, I don't know. They're just like, oh, hold on to my arm. I'm like, I, all right, fine. Here. Maybe the pearls. I don't uh, mind though. I don't want to fall. Anyway. <laughs> How embarrassing that would be. I was thinking the other day, <sighs> you know, uh, for, because people, a lot of young people now are planning funerals. Uh, just because, you know, of what's going on, COVID, all this kind of stuff, people are thinking about mortality. And I was like, I, I've never wanted a funeral until I thought it was a great idea. I'd like to be weekend at Bernie. Oh, no. So if you come to my funeral and you see what looks like me in the, the casket, that's not me. I'm propped up somewhere. In the back with a glass and, of wine. With a glass of wine. And I want, you know, I, I want to like fall on someone at a critical moment. <laughs> Like, I want them to lower the casket and then someone be like, who the hell's that in the back? Son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wait. Yeah, wait. <laughs> Pull that thing back up. Um, yeah, I'd like to be weekend at Bernie. I don't know if that's a package that's offered by any funeral homes, but it should be. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it is somewhere. We should look that up. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah. They have seen another white grizzly bear in the in Canada. Really? Yeah, apparently, it's not albinism. It's just something that happens. So it's a recessive gene. So it's a, it's a, a mutation, you would say? No, no, just a recessive oh, gene. Okay. It's not albinism. Not any kind of a mutation. It's a normally grizzly bears range in color from dark brown to blonde i've never in my life heard of a bear be referred to as blonde as a blonde you should be upset yeah how do they spell it without an without e. an e so it's a man it's a man bear it's a man bear. only the males are blonde yeah um experts say the coloring results as i said from a recessive gene it's not a member of another species there's a called a kermode which is the spirit bear, okay. which is found in temperate rainforests. They have white fur. Okay. And they're a subspecies of the black bear, although I think they would beg to differ. Um, but this is actually just, a, yeah, who decided that the black bears were like, you know, in that, in that hierarchy? Like who put them up there? Right. Just because there's more of them? Like, you don't know. Yeah, you don't, um, yeah, you don't know who's uh, supposed to be the more. Uh, yeah. But this is a white grizzly bear. Uh, so there's nothing cute about that. Local wildlife officials have known about the white grizzly since 2017. I would hope so. Do you know what I'm saying? If something like that is in your park and you don't know about it. Yeah, but I like, mean, what are you doing? isn't there kind of like a history of these bear, like the, the blonde grizzly being around? or? Well, when they, um, this one's white though. A white. Not blonde, this one's white. Um, when there is a white grizzly bear, they try to keep it like on the low because people start trying to find the bear to take pictures of it, um, and they end up harassing the damn thing. Okay. So the um, it's, it's rare, but it happens. And people are saying it's not, that's not why it's interesting. It's interesting because it speaks to our relationship with nature. It's rare and unique and people look for meaning in the bear as well as looking for the bear. <laughs> It says these unusual looking animals get r hunted ruthlessly by photographers. So the less we talk about them, the better. All right. So this guy says Mike Jabot in an email. Uh, so, so. Uh, and 
he ended the interview then. Nothing to see here, listeners. Nothing to see here. <laughs> nothing. He had nothing to see here. So the bear was seen with its siblings that are not white. Um, so, you know, nothing special about it. And they are grizzly bears. Grizzly bears to me, I am, you know, I like to watch crappy movies. I love grizzly bear movies. Really? Yes. I saw one recently that had Tom Jane in it. I mean, what could be worse or better than that? Playing a sheriff who had to go into a bear maze. It was called Grizzly Maze. Oh. Oh, God. Um, There's a grizzly, they're grizzly bears. They're grizzly bears. So who else was in this movie? None other than, well, so Tom Jane's, that's already bad enough. Um, Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, here we go. Who is not, has not aged well. Uh, no surprise. No surprise. I know I'm not dropping. I know, I'm, not, I'm not dropping anything new I, on I, you. I just, I'm not trying to be mean, but like you can just tell. He, he looks rough. I didn't know he was that old. Yeah, he's older. Um, but he played it. I mean, he was eaten well, right? He had a good, he had a good death in the movie. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was absolutely awful. James Marsden is also in it. Oh, really? And James, James Marsden plays Tom Jane's brother, which makes no sense. I don't know. I have to look at their pictures again. Yeah, there's a thing in Hollywood I noticed where they have an older male lead playing um, opposite a very or a much younger male lead, and they claim they're brothers. Yeah, and they're only a couple of years. I'm like, mm, no, more like a, you know, more like father son. Yeah, but they want to protect the older man's, I guess, career. Um, yeah, but there were no white grizzlies in this. This was my point of bringing that up. <laughs> And they're going to, you probably won't see the white grizzly around in any movies because they're trying to keep them secret. Yeah, they're trying to keep it on the low. I mean, this biologist made it clear, the less we say, the better. We maybe should cut this segment. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Hey You Know It. Stay in touch with us during the week. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Tumblr. Go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. We'll read it on an upcoming show, regardless of content. As always, we love your emails. Send us an email at heyyouknowit at gmail.com with your comments, questions, and segment ideas. Emails will also be read on upcoming shows. Please tell your friends about us, because you know we don't advertise. And let them know we can be found on iTunes, at stitcher.com, and at heyyouknowit.com. Thanks.